Welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Chef Notepad. This is a tool that you should have if you are a chef and you want to store your recipes, cost your recipes, and just generally know what's going down. Check it out on Chef underscore Notepad and get all the details there. They've got a great Instagram page that really tells you all about it. But today on the podcast, we have got a guy who has come to Brisbane about, oh, let's say about two years ago, and he is taking on one of the biggest ventures that Brisbane's had in a long time with over 180-something chefs at its peak, I think. I think you find that detail out in the podcast. But his name is David Finlayson, and he is the Director of Culinary at HSW, Howard Smith Wharves. He's got some amazing stories. He's worked with some amazing people all over the world. You're going to really like this one. Enjoy. Five, four, three, we in. Mr. David Finlayson, Graham. Director of Culinary, Howard Smith Walls, Brisbane. What are you doing here? How did you end up in our country, sir? Mr. Scottishman, how long have you been here? I've been here 15 years. 15 years? Yeah, I've been out in Scotland for close on 18 years. Right. Um, and I was travelling. Yeah. I think what every chef in Europe does is travel. Started in Scotland, flew to London, spent some time there and nearly fucking killed myself. <laughs> working so many hours, working for Michelin star chefs, all the stuff you do when you're an apprentice over in Europe. Um, flew to Dubai, spent some time in Dubai, um, and flew to Australia. Wow. As the next leg of my holiday. Um, Met my wife. And that, and that was David Finlayson, guys. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, so you're running Howard Smith Wars, and for those who don't know, because we've got a few listeners over in the States, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a massive big place that used to be... What did it used to be, actually? Like, it was abandoned for years, but what was it? It was the old... Um, Port. Wars. Yeah, oh, they are wolves. Yeah. Howard Smith Wolves, right. So, who is Howard Smith Wolves, or what is Howard Smith Wolves? So, it was the old shipping company that had the wharfs here, the Howard Smith Coal Limited. Right. Um, and that's where it was back in the day. And obviously, it's been redeveloped a little bit since then with Felons Brewing Coal and our events business, Mr. Percival's and all the rest. And for all the people that can't come up from Victoria who might not have been here, uh, it's got uh, Mr. Percival's, it's got uh, Louis at Stanley's, it's got an amazing brewery called Felons. Tell me about Felons. Felons sounds like a bunch of thieves. Felons Brewery, where did that name come from? That's exactly right. So it's our beer brewing company now. Um, it got its name from the four felons that um, got blown off course and obviously find themselves up here near Morton Island. Um, and that's where the name comes from. Um, we've got beer tanks on site that does natural brewing methods, um, which is cool. And it's got a really fresh, it's not a pub menu as such, but it's more, it's more fresh, inviting food that's it's all made on house, it's all fresh food, it's all organic, um, organic flowers. We use Felon's beer and the pizza dough, for instance. It, it, it's like, let's just go prior to COVID. This place was absolutely heaving. You could barely walk through here. 180-odd chefs you were responsible for? Yeah, 167 in the end, I think it was. Wow. I mean, I can't. that's that's way more staff than the whole of Suncoast. Like that's, that's, and you're you're looking after yeah. all them guys. Yeah, yeah wow. and that's, that's the important part. And I guess with COVID that's come about, I guess the important thing for us was to try and retain these guys because they're all very important in my team. Um, and I've been very lucky because a lot, of, a lot of the senior team that I have are still with me and have been here since the very start, two, just over two years ago. 
Yes, um, you've had you had a really good and amazing staff retention rate. Yeah, it is. It's been really good. Yeah, um, and it comes down to a lot of things. Graham, to be honest, it's it's the hardest part of what we do, not just in our industry, but in most industries. Is how do you keep staff, hmm. especially when you're going through a COVID mass pandemic that you've never seen before, and trying to keep them on board is probably the hardest thing. And I think they've all stayed because of the work we did before. We look mm. after our staff. No one down here does silly hours. Those days are gone. And I, I always go back to the one thing that I, when I moved from Melbourne up here, there was one thing that I wanted to do because I'm not, I'm not a chef that wants to be in the spotlight. I'm not someone that's on magazines. I'm not someone that's trying to be out there, trying to get hats, trying to get whatever, awards. It's, it's not me. It's not what I do. And the one reason I wanted to come up to Brisbane was obviously speaking to Adam Flash, who's the owner, the one thing that was really important to me was the staff retention and trying to make somewhere where chefs could come that wasn't just a slog. It wasn't a job where you go in there and you get abused, you do 70 hours a week. It's, it's the thing that I didn't want. And I've worked hard. And there's been some, some people I've had to make some hard decisions on along the way to make sure that I could do this because the chefs don't do long hours. They have time with their family. They don't get yelled at. I don't have angry chefs. I don't tolerate them and I won't tolerate them because I want I want a chef to be like any other job, whether it's an office worker, a banker, a bank clerk, a nurse, a doctor. I want it to be a job where you can go to and it is like any other job. Whereas in the past, it's you go there, you get abused, you work fucking 100 hours, you go home, you have your two days off and you sleep. But it's not like that anymore. Mm. And it's important to me that I did that. And I think I've done a good job of it. And the way that you measure that is by the staff retention, I think. In mm. just having a look, every head chef I started with, bar two, I think. I have the opposite eight. philosophy where I work them so hard that they've got no time to actually <laughs> to go for them. another job. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's the other side to look at. Yeah. No, that, that really is, um, you know, admirable that you did that. And I, and I obviously, I, I've known that right from the start that you, you've uh, had a great staff retention and that the staff were really uh, happy about the hours that they got to work. And I think the ones that were itching to learn more, you know, that gives them the opportunity to go work at a butcher shop, to go work at a bakery or an artisan pastry yeah. place or whatever. And we are lucky down want. here because we have got six, seven, eight, ten different places you can work. Yeah. So if you want to learn Cantonese, Chinese, you can go down and work with Stanley. If you want to do Japanese, by all means, go and work with Jonathan, yeah. uh, Yoko yeah. and Greca, Greek. Yeah. So we've got an events business. We've got a cafe. We had Percival's. We've got felons. We've got all this stuff that you can... Move your chefs around. So if, if they don't necessarily want to do one style of food, it might not be right for them. So if you're an apprentice, I mean, it's a great place to be. Yeah. yeah. So you get a bit of a mixture of all sorts of training. Correct. Yeah. Um, let's dive back a little bit to um, your time in Hong Kong. Yeah. Tell us about Hong Kong. I mean, I think everyone goes there for a little trip or everyone that's lucky enough to go there for a trip would probably go, well, I wouldn't mind living and working here for a mm. little while. Like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. My wife wasn't so keen on it. Um, we left pretty much just after we got married, about a month after that. And we decided we'd go and travel once more before we have kids and settle down and all that jazz. It's probably one of the biggest parties I've had for 12 months in my life. It's, it's party season, Monday through Sunday. It doesn't matter what time it is. You work six days, you work hard, you party hard. Everyone's nice. Everyone gets on. There's a shitload of people there, don't get me wrong. Um, I enjoyed it. I looked after two Spanish tapas restaurants. They were 45 seats each and my wife worked in a Belgian beer cafe like a couple of big frits I think they're called I loved it you can get all types of food there's so many cultures it's 
it's an interesting place to be because it is so different from Australia. Um, wow. And the food scene is unbelievable. Ah, oh, yeah, it is. It is. But you're talking working six days a week. Yeah. It's not five days a week. No, 40 30, hours. 35 yeah, hours a week. It's no. 100 hours, six days a week. And is that is that just because it is hard for businesses to make money? Like, you know, is it hard for, you know, like what, what's the secret combination? Like, because there's restaurants just, who just do food yeah. and, you know, they might only do nights, you know. And there are some really good business. To be really honest, and I'm jumping around here a little bit, the good businesses that I know, like I know I talk about Becco nearly every time I bloody do a podcast, but they've got a great business as well. They work, they have a day off, mm. they get back to work, they do a great job, everyone knows what they are, and they re- their staff retention must be amazing as well because they've got yeah. so many good people there. But um, you know, um, how do you come about learning that balance of how to run a business? Like what you're doing is actually quite incredible. Mm. To be able to do that on scale... Uh, maybe at the scale that you need, but to do it and then to push out such a, a fantastic product, the beautiful pizzas, you know, just the simple simplicity of some of the dishes are, but they're so perfect as well and consistently. Like, how does that become, you know, something you can actually pull off? So it, it comes from experience, but it also comes from things you pick up along the way. So George Colin Barris, who I used to work for, said something to me that stayed with me for pretty much my whole career, is that your success isn't gauged on your success. It's gauged on the success of the people around you. And it's these little things that stick with you when you're, when you're working around the traps, when you're doing these things that... And I don't know why it stuck with me and why it's in my head, but it's something I've always really been keen on because I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not great at every part of the business, don't get me wrong, because there is so many moving parts. But you've got to surround yourself by people that are good and understand these people and what they're good at. So if you can put them into their positions where they're really good at, perfect mm. and I've got I think maybe eight head chefs and exec chefs on the precinct that I know what they're good at I catch who's, up who's your favourite that's, 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 <laughs> like, that's like my, my favourite child <laughs> and we've all got one let's not pretend we don't <laughs> um, but they're, they're all great at what they do and it's about having these great people around you that make me look good I think Adam Flaskus obviously must have a similar philosophy. He's surrounded yeah. himself with a bunch of amazing people. Absolutely. And um, and like you said before, I just want to mention it about uh, how he also was determined to look after the, the team, uh, particularly 100%. going through COVID. And, you know, guys had no choice but close. And um, he was one of my first received phone calls was, you know, saw us doing the boxes and, hey, how can I do a box? And yep. straight away he designed his own box, which was a really great box mm. with rice and milk and, you know, and all the vegetables in it. Yeah, and that just goes to show what the company's all about. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that's why we have staff retention, because we look after our staff. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, we're delivering over 100 of the 130-odd boxes yeah. uh, a week to so everyone had. And they, they see that as helping our staff, because obviously it's a difficult time. No one knows what's going to happen. People have been stood down. We've had to make hard decisions about it, making people redundant. And he sees that as a way of helping the staff to make sure he can... Because he loves them all, like, mm. like we all do. But then he also sees it a way to help you, the, yeah. the fruit and veg company, and then obviously anyone else that's around. Like it's just a way that he sees fit to help people. Yeah. Because it's, that was a, a horrible few weeks back then, like just torture. Yeah, that like, is. Torture. It, uh, yes. And I'm not sure if we're through the worst of it yet. No. Um, and that's the thing. Like where is the industry going? We don't know. Mm. And it's, it's going to get harder in the next three, four months. What do, you, what do you think is going to happen? What I think is going to yeah, happen. What do you think is going to happen? I'm not sure, to be honest. I would hazard a guess that come September, October, November, things are going to get really tough. Um, I think people will still go out to eat 
the thing that worries me is that the companies that are putting all their money into takeaway and deliveries and like having a real good crack at it, I think that could possibly fall off a cliff at some stage because people who people who don't have money are, are going to struggle with money in the next three, four or five months. Mm. If they're going to spend money on food, they're probably going to go out and have a nice time mm. rather than sit at home. And a lot of people have been sat at home for three months. And if we have to do it again, if we do have another outbreak, people will use takeaway again because they're at home. But after that, they're just going to want to get out and they're not going to have the cash. So I think the takeaway delivery side of the business could fall off a cliff. Um, and people that do want to go out are probably going to either go high-end and have a real good time once every two months, three months, or they might go out to a pizza, pasta joint three times every three months or whatever. Mm. So it's, people are going to pick where they go and they're going to be really careful about when they go out and what they spend. I think that's got some merit, yeah, for sure. I, I think the restaurants at Sunco Supply are usually the, the better ones where people enjoy mm. being out. And I think that, you know, we're... We're in a much better position now because a lot of our good restaurants are full every night, double seatings, Friday, Saturday, because they do great things and people couldn't wait to get back into Stanley, couldn't wait to get back into Greco, couldn't wait to get back into Phelan's. It's about evolving your business as well. If you have to change something, you have to change something. How hard is that when you had to say goodbye to ARC? Hard. Hmm. Really hard. I sat in this office and looked every one of them in the eye with Alana and it it wasn't great. Hmm. It really wasn't good fun, to be honest. It was heartbreaking, some of the conversations we had to have. Hmm. Heartbreaking, especially for Elena. She mm. was super upset. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of tears. Um, but again, we we had to do what was right for the Howard Smith Wharf precinct. Mm. And it's, as much as it's heartbreaking, it's not just about one restaurant down here. It's about a multitude of restaurants and having to protect the company through COVID. Um, it's one of these things that you have to make hard decisions and you have to, to do, make these decisions in a position like this. And it's, it's just one of these things you go through. I, but it was heartbreaking yeah, because they sat yeah, exactly yeah. where you're sitting and we had the conversations and it was just torture. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, she's bounced back. She's on she's the open tonight. Front, front page of the newspaper today. Um, so Good luck tonight. I'm sure she's already... Li- so this will come out Sunday, Alana, so I'm sure you've had four good days and I bet you're the first one to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um yeah, okay, tell me a little bit more about your history and where you come from. Tell me some cool stories that have happened in the past, working for some Michelin stars, and tell me the cool stuff. So my, my, most of my family are in medicine or nurses of some variety. My dad had his own plumbing business. So I used to go out and plumb with him when I was 10, 12, just fix pipes, put my hand down dirty toilets, sewers, blockages, all that sort of shit. And that made me say, no, I'm not going down that family business. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I... Mum was at work all the time. She was at the hospital. Dad had his own business, so I didn't really get to see them that much. So I used to go to my grand's, who, like most chefs, was a really good cook. And I used to sit in the kitchen with her after school and cook. And and that's where the love of cooking came from. With It sounds kind of cliche, because a lot of chefs say that that's where it came from. It generally is where it comes from. Mm. Um, and then I did a couple of stints in a few places in Scotland, a place called Skibo Castle, where I started. I did four years there as an apprentice, lived in the actual that's castle. A, that's a flash castle, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a private members club with golf, two golf courses, um, and I actually stayed in the castle. So I moved out of home when I was 15. Uh, Mum and dad castle. literally lived 5Ks away. I moved out and just because I wanted to be the, with the boys and with the, the girls that were there, and it was a bit of a... So you moved 5Ks into a castle? Pretty much, yeah. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Is that why you're good at golf? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I started playing golf. Um, but funny you talk about golf, it's 
when you do this for a long time, and I think I've been doing this for 25 years, you have to find something that you can escape from. Um, and I have a very understanding wife who we've been together for 15 years, got two lovely kids. But we have a real understanding that we need our own, our own time to get away from one, each other, which is probably most marriages, and then obviously to get away from work. And I just so happen to play golf, which is my escape. And I do it at the same time every week. So it's a bit of a, a routine that I go into escape from the rat race that it can be sometimes. That's yeah, a real just um, clear important my head. thing. It's actually one of my sort of standard questions of how do you balance um, yeah. out things, and that's obviously mm-hmm. how you do it. Um, so I'm allowed to play golf Monday through Friday. That's what the wife says. That's what I do. Saturday, Sundays, I'm home, family time, wife, kids, and we do what we do. That's a nice compromise. Yeah, it is. But I guess back to the original question was that once I left Scotland, I went to London and worked in Peter for Tom Aitken, who is renowned for being probably a bit more aggressive than most. Tom Aitken. Yeah. yeah just so he, make sure everyone heard everyone that. Everyone heard that, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a fairly successful rest on tour now, but back in the day, it was, it was going for three Michelin stars. It was, the kitchen was down a manhole covering the sidewalk into the kitchen, no windows. It was 15 metres long by three metres wide. No one cooked in there apart from him. Um, in his sous chef, actually Australian, Shane, Shane Osborne, um, who's now was the head chef there for a while until it burned down. But that was probably the, the defining part in my career when I said, all right, I'm not going to be a chef that shouts, screams, and carries on like a poor chop. I'm not going to... Michelin stars, hats, aren't my focus. It's about doing what I love. And I think it's the experience I had there that nearly broke me. And I had to take two months off because I was working Monday through Saturday, 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. Living in London, it's an hour to get home, so you'd have two hours sleep. Literally nearly broke me. And it's these kind of experiences that make you the person you are, I guess. Um, and that was that was tough. But then on the other hand, he used to take us out on a Saturday night at 3 a.m. in the morning down King's Cross and just let us do what he wanted, buy us beers, buy us food. And the next day he'd be... On top of you, throwing pig's ears at you, pig's liver, or sticking a pig's head on top of his head, all that sort of carry on that happens in the kitchen back then. But this is this is 20, 20 years ago. So it's but you got a good job down. We're, I want to tell people we're in your very cool office, which looks to be a part of the original build down here, does yes. it? Yeah, and we sure. can see a bit of the bridge and some of the city. And on the wall, just so everyone knows, it just. There's, there's not gold plates, as he said, he's not focused on awards, and I'm sure he's been a part of many. But there's pictures of uh, beautiful food everywhere. So, you know, um, in your job, I'm guessing you don't get into the, the, the mix cooking every night. Um, but tell me, I do. what, what so happens? It's, it's funny, because today I just did the pass at Felons. Oh, really? Just for lunch. Wow. And it reminded me why I felt, I felt every age of 40 years today. <laughs> um, not even a busy Wednesday, but just to be down there with the guys in the kitchen... I was meant to do it yesterday, but obviously I've been working on what's on the wall yeah. the last the last few weeks. Um, but I like being down there with the guys. Most of the time, I just go down there and get in the way and say good day and have a chat. Um, but it's important. It's mm. important that I'm down there. It's, it's important that I'm not just sat in this office twenty four seven. And I guess now we've had a chance to reopen it, and we're not fully open yet. There's only a couple of businesses that are open. There's more to come, but mm. I guess it gives me more time to go down there and spend with them, um, which is great. Yeah, so, I mean, it keeps me. Entertained, it keeps the boys entertained, it keeps them on their toes, and it gets me back to see what they're actually doing. To be honest, how do you balance that entertainment slash get my work done balance? Like, how how does that? How do you manage that? I'm super organised. Yeah. I'm just a 
It's just, it's <laughs> an absolute dick, don't I? I'm just, I'm just super organized. I love being organized, and if I'm not organized, I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I organize myself. I come in at six, six thirty in the morning every morning, Monday through Friday, because it gives me three or four hours on my own. Is just that to get out of getting the kids out of bed and get them off to school? I get them breakfast and then I jump in the really? car. Really, they're up already. Man, my kids are up at five o'clock. It's, oh, it's like right. as soon as the sun's up. My kids are much older. Sometimes yeah. we get to five thirty in winter, but summertime it's four thirty five. So is your, have you got like a red pen, a blue pen, a gray, you know, like a black pen? Nah. Are you that? Nah. No, you're not that. No. Nah. Okay. I've got two two diaries I carry around. One for meetings that I have with the chefs, and then one that I have with the exec team. And everything goes in there. The end of the day or the next morning, I go through them, see what I've done, see what I need to do. Who trained you for this upper level stuff, like this stuff that you're you're doing now? Yeah. Where did you get your training? Because obviously a lot of it's in the kitchen cooking, but you know, to yeah. complete to be the the chef that you are, yeah. you obviously have to do some other very serious training. I think, it, I think it comes from, I always had a lot of maths back in the day, and numbers I've always been good with. English and all that jazz, I'd rather go out and Is any have chef a beer with English. No, I know, but like <laughs> maths I've always been good at. Um, when I went to Hong Kong, I was looking after, we started with two, two little restaurants. So you kind of evolve as you go with two, learn how to deal with two. Um, and then obviously I ended up back in country Victoria looking after Another two. Then I went to work for the Lucas Group, and that's where it got real Chin Chin? Is that Chin Chin? Yeah, Chin Chin, Baby, Kong, Kasumi, Hawker Hall, and they had a production kitchen. Yeah. So so that's, it's a quick learning curve. But I think Chris Lucas down there helped teach me how to handle so many people. And the the hard thing about it is you're juggling all these personalities, and every chef's different. Everyone acts differently everyone reacts differently so you got to learn how to manage you don't just learn how to manage one chef or a chef because you got to learn how to manage people and they're all so different you could you've literally got to put time into them i did a lot of eldritch hospitality courses back in the day um and then it's about being honest with yourself so i did a, a i think it was a 180 review about three years ago and it's when you get the staff to answer questions about you on how you perform. God. And it's, it's, it can be confronting, but it's a really good tool. Do you get time to like get ready for that, be nice for a month and then do nah, it? Yeah, just straight into it. Mate, I've had worse things said about me, believe me. <laughs> but, it's, but it was good because you get feedback and things come back to you that you don't realise you do. Good you you'd never think about it. Correct. Yeah. And it, it really helps you learn. So I think that honest feedback from your staff is important in a controlled environment, obviously. But um, I think it's just experience. To be honest, you start, you can't, I wouldn't say come into a venue like this that's got 25 moving parts. Start off with two and then you move to three and four. And the good thing at the Lucas Group is that we actually, during my time there, I was there for close on four years, that I think I opened four or five venues there. And then the Hong Kong ones, I opened two there. Um, in Dubai, I opened the hotel and it had 14 food outlets in it. So it's like as you go, you, you kind of learn how to, to deal with it and how to go about it. But it, it's, it all comes down to organisation. You've got so, to be organised. So you're good at Excel? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you want to be a chef, guys, and a lot Excel. of the prices listen to this, no Excel, please. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, yeah, a lifesaver. Um, tell us about um, working for Adam. I know we touched on him lightly before, but I you know, I admire the person and um, on multiple levels that uh, he's got balance and charisma and he's, you know, he's not scared of taking chances and knows how to pick good people mm. and inspire them. That must be another learning. Is that the next phase of learning of someone like Adam? 
Yeah, it was, and it's 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 a big, big part of me taking the role up here. I also moved my whole family, moved them out of school to come from Melbourne, which is obviously a good idea now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great decision looking back now. Um, but I think the ha- most of the decision was based around the conversation I had with Adam and Lance, who we used to work with, and it's just the the enthusiasm and the passion he has for it. He just he's not what I expected, hmm. but he is just a legend of the passion and the drive he has for this joint not just for this joint but just for food and wine and the experience in general it's, it's literally contagious it just rubs off on you like it's it's hard not to come into work and you have a chat with them in the morning having a coffee it's like it sets you up for the day yeah that is that is true I'm actually keen to podcast him as well you should yeah, I hilarious actually, yeah I have to get him on because <laughs> he seems so relaxed doesn't he all the time he's just like yeah he yeah. is he has his moments like everyone else yeah yeah um, but when he loves his staff, yeah, loves his staff, I can't say it enough. He would do anything for his staff, anything. Yeah, yeah, I know it really hit him when this went down. But um, mm. yeah, okay, we're meant to be talking about you now. What else can you tell me about you? What other questions do I like to ask people like yourself? Who was uh, the hardest person, the worst person you had to work for? Does that include suppliers? I would say. Tom Aiken without a shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you'd say. Talk what about who inspired you the most? Uh, that's a tricky one. George Wait a Let, let's, okay. There's two. Yeah, so let's let's go, f- like, who inspired you food-wise and then just who inspired you. They might well be the same person. Yeah. So George Colin Barris would be the one that, I know he's been through the mill and he's, he's been hung out to dry, I would say. Like, it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's happened to him, but he's the one that taught me, this is funny, this will sound crazy too, but he's the one that taught me or instilled in me that how important the staff are and how important people are. And he loved his staff. He was in the kitchen. When I joined, I, I still remember the first day I worked there. I walked into Hellenic Republic and he came up and he said, David, welcome on board. It's so good to have you here. Give me a hug because he could then. And I thought, do you know what? That's really, that's nice. One, he knows my name. And he was a superstar back then. He had St. Catharines, he had Maha, he had all these restaurants. And I thought, that's really nice. And from that day, he was always like that. He always come in, he'd always have time to say good day. Um, and we actually opened a couple of restaurants together and he was so good to work for. But his eye for detail was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like one fish scale on a piece of fish and he would see it. Yeah. See it. But then he started a master chef and he used to try and do the pass on a busy Saturday night in Hellenic but then disappeared to take autographs <laughs> and then the ship would just disappear but he he was so kind to his staff and generally so talented for what he does like he is a legend in my view good well that's good because uh, yeah uh, I think he does need a little bit of a a, a truth for no he doesn't I would have said that yeah, no matter what happened but he's, yeah 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 I realise that no no I'm just saying like he you know, had and I think time. a lot of the people that have worked for him have said that yeah yeah and the fact that they had the pay scandal and he was he would have no idea about that mm. like no idea so yeah, he yeah. is the face oh, of, of it and that, he's it. in that position but I just feel terrible for him yeah that's but he'll be back bigger and better yeah well you have to get him on the podcast too write a list over here you were going to head over and spend some time with uh, the guy in South America Francis Mormon yep still got that on the list ah devastated yeah, we were yeah, meant to go in that. Yeah. March all yeah. good to go yeah Definitely on the bucket list, for sure. Yeah. Because that would have been epic. And if anyone hasn't seen Francis Mormont, it was on Netflix. Correct. 
and uh, yeah, look that up and watch it. It's super, super inspiring. Um, uh, who's your favourite supplier? Suncoast Fresh. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I've got a lot of... The good thing about it is I've had the same supplier since day one. Yeah. And it goes to say a lot about the suppliers we have and the relationship I have with the suppliers. Suncoast Fresh, been here since day one, great relationship. Uh, Prime Cut Meats, been here since day one, great relationship. Love Fish that. Factory, great You know what, let me tell you, I, I did Otto last week, as I'm sure you listen to all my podcasts. And um, uh, yeah, Otto, yeah, Will was the same. He said the exact same mm. thing. So, you know, great great guys and we, we actually sort of all know each other ironically we all actually went into a we've, we've been in charities together and yeah. not unbeknown to each other and along with Fino Foods we end up actually doing raising money for different charities yeah the last one was cystic fibrosis and yeah. I won just for the record I raised the most amount of money $11,699 is that all? <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot that's a me. lot of cash <laughs> no no it wasn't that's actually good. a lot but it was the most out of everyone um what else do I ask you? Uh, I'd love to just quickly check on a couple of normal things. What's your favourite thing you like to cook at home? Favourite thing I like to cook at home? Sushi. Sounds weird. That's what I do. We have sushi night every now and again. You get, where do you get your rice from? PFD. Really? It's, I'm not pretending to be flash at it. No, no, no. Okay, so is there any special rice no. that you use? Sushi rice. Yeah. yeah, right, okay. But literally, we do it at home. I've done it over Christmas. But we... We don't go out a terrible amount because we've got two young kids. Um, and why would you when I can just, I, get, I used to get a box from you, yeah. I get a box from Laurie. And when you've got great suppliers, it's, it's just for me to stay at home. And hey. Fish Factory's at the bottom of the hill from yeah. one of my houses. Yeah, so it's right. like, okay. There, how amazing is that place? I have to say, Chris, he's going to be on the podcast soon as well. But Chris, that was his place is amazing. If you haven't been to Fish Factory in Brisbane, make sure you get out there. Uh, okay, favourite fruit, favourite vegetable? Favourite fruit? Would have to be raspberries. Good to know. Just because I've got expensive taste. <laughs> <laughs> it's my daughter's favourite fruit as well, actually, raspberries. Favourite <laughs> vegetable? Potato. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost potato doesn't count. You know, like I know. And I know that there's... Uh, if you've been to South America, I mean, yeah. how many amazing potatoes are over there? Uh, yeah, okay. Other than potato, give me one more. Be true. Beautiful. So many applications, so many types. What's happening next with Howard Smith Wars? We'll wind this up very quickly. What's going on right now that you can't tell me? Heaps. Yeah. So when will stuff be announced of what's going to happen? What's the next stage? Can we not just tell because there's 200 and something cases a day happening in Victoria. Does that put anything on hold, or are we pausing again? Or no, we're we're concentrating on getting reopened again. It's yeah. um, it took us eight months to open the first time around, um, and it's pretty much what we're doing again. Yeah, but it's like the second coming of reopening. It's 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 been good for us. So during COVID, we as an exec team went through the first opening, learned what we did well and what we did bad, learned a bit about ourselves and where we need to improve through that time, so that when it came to the opening again it's it's a second chance for us really we, we did it really well the first time but now we can do it even better once the restrictions obviously lift a little um, but yeah we're just working our way through the precinct working our way through venue by venue and some things might have to change due to what's happening in, in the world but that'll all come to fruition very soon 
Well, uh, welcome to Brisbane. You are very well respected in the community already, in the chefing community that I know. And um, you have got a fantastic team here and you're running a great business and you're working for a great guy. And we're very, very, very honoured to be a part of that. And uh, thank you for that as well. Um, mate, we'll wrap that up. Um, you, Thank you for being a part of the, well, thank you. the podcast. Thank you. really and um, yeah, you're awesome. Thanks, man. Love it. Gonna do subtitles or? Ha 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 